everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, everyone. Today, we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 14, Stress Relief. In this episode, Dwight almost kills Stanley, Pam, Jim, and Andy enjoy a movie, and Michael's plan backfires. We open this episode with what is probably the best cold open of the entire series. Very much agree. We see everyone just going about their day as normal, and Dwight says that last week he hosted a fire safety seminar that no one paid attention to because it was boring. So, He is going to put that safety plan into action and see if anybody remembers what he taught. And he does this by setting fire to a waste bin full of paper. He tries to prompt someone to notice that there's a fire and to sort of begin this chain of the safety plan. But it takes a bit for anyone to take notice of the smoke that's coming out from under the door. Dwight has also warmed every other door handle and part of the fire safety presentation, and I'm sure most people will remember this from elementary school, is that you're supposed to check a door handle to see if it's hot. And if it is, there could be a fire in that room. And so doing that, Dwight has seemingly made it out as though they're trapped because everyone was just heading for the main door. And Dwight is shouting the whole time, okay, everyone, there's a fire. What's the procedure? What should we do? He's the safety officer in the office. And he's trying to get people to remember their training, essentially. Michael, at first... (laughs) Michael is who I would probably be in this situation. He's like, okay, everyone remain calm. Like he's kind of getting a little worked up. And as Dwight keeps yelling out, what's the procedure? What's the procedure? Michael then comes back with stay fucking calm. And once it appears, quote unquote, that they are trapped, Michael declares just every man for themselves. And chaos just reigns and this is what makes this cold open so great right more so than it already had because people were already just kind of running from door to door not really knowing what to do and so after michael declares the free-for-all yes everybody just goes crazy and there are many great moments in this time i think my favorite though is Angela yes. trying to save her cat. I love this so much. <laughs> As Oscar is trying to escape in the, through the ceiling, Angela produces a cat out of a drawer that she keeps at work apparently. It says to help <laughs> it says to Oscar to save Bandit. And she tosses the cat up into the ceiling and it falls out of a different ceiling panel and what makes it so good is that 
Oscar had sort of taken it upon himself just to move the tile, pull himself up into the ceiling. It's going to climb through the vents and says, stay alive, I'm getting help. And Angel is trying to get him to also pull her up along with the cat. And Oscar says, no, you're too heavy. And that's when she throws the cat into the and it just crashes, like Curtis said, out of it and onto a desk and then, like, obviously freaks out because it's a cat. Kevin uh, decides that this is the moment to break open the vending machine <laughs> by throwing a chair at it and just breaking the glass and grabbing a bunch of snacks. Michael, I have to assume that the conference room windows probably open in some manner. Yeah. Maybe not very wide. But he breaks open the conference room window with a projector and just stands there yelling help out of the window. Dwight cut the phone lines, so no one's able to call 911. So there, people are really panicked and scrambling. Dwight then lights off, like, fire poppers, like firecrackers, and Andy, and, and that just adds to the commotion, and Andy turns and says, Oh my God, the fire's shooting at us. It is after this moment that Dwight takes out an air horn and blows it and announces to everyone that there is no fire. Everyone is safe. This was just a test. And everybody is pretty just kind of <laughs> dumbstruck by this. And then we see Stanley pass out. And everybody, again, goes back into panic mode because they are concerned about stanley's health and michael makes the situation worse by trying to give him cpr which he's still breathing it's apparently a heart attack you wouldn't give cpr for that and so they have to essentially pull michael off of stanley who's having a medical emergency and that is how the cold open we open the main part of the episode with the fallout from this we see michael and dwight having a meeting with David Wallace and some other guy that we we don't know who it is. I presume it's legal counsel. Right. And they're talking about what disciplinary measures need to be taken on Dwight. Dwight, as expected, is not at all apologetic about this. He doesn't really see what he did wrong here. And... David Wallace and the legal counsel are quick to point out that he started a fire that led to the heart attack of a fellow employee. Michael is almost as bad as Dwight is in this situation because Michael seems pretty clueless as to why this is all going on as well. Right. David points out that Michael is nearly just as responsible for Dwight for creating the situation that led to Stanley's heart attack because Michael allows such chaos to ensue in the office. He doesn't really have a handle over how the office runs. And David is pointing that out to Michael and Mike, it just really goes over Michael's head. I will say this is something that I was going to say in the annex, but I think it makes sense to say in this part of the episode. So this is a extra long episode. It's technically a two-parter that aired as one part after the Super Bowl in 2009. And 
for that reason, there's not continuation of storylines because they're trying to get new viewers and they wanted it to be sort of a standalone comedy episode. And so that's why this could have kind of gone anywhere. That was sort of the point. But also Dwight as a character, I feel like really gets amplified and his mannerisms and just who he is. And that uh, is very apparent in this meeting with corporate. That makes a lot more sense now because as iconic as this episode is, it's kind of a mess. Yeah, the the extra long ones sometimes often are. And, and really, we haven't had an extra long episode like this, I don't think, in the series up until this point. We just had some of those supersized ones that were maybe an extra 10 minutes. So this ran over the course of an hour. This was actually the first episode of The Office that I ever watched because I happened to just watch it after the Super Bowl with people that were already fans of The Office. And so nothing of substance really comes from this meeting. Um, David... Part for the course. Yeah, David and legal counsel are incredulous at both Michael and Dwight, but they both get away with seemingly nothing. But Michael does take something from this meeting, and that comes from when David Wallace says to him that he is about as responsible as Dwight is in this situation. And we know that Michael sees the workplace as an all-encompassing being. It's a it's a place where you have family and friends. It's where everybody can have a good time. And But most of all, everybody should feel safe there. And Michael feels that he has failed in creating a safe environment because Stanley had a heart attack there. And so he goes to extreme lengths to kind of create this stress-free environment for one person. It's, this is all aimed towards Stanley. I will say, so this is 2009, like I said, that it aired. I will say that in the year 2021, mental health and stress reduction and work-life balance are much more in the mainstream than I feel like it was at that point. And so in and so in order to create this stress-free environment, Michael is going to pretty extreme lengths when Stanley comes back from the hospital. Quite frankly, my guess is and I could be wrong. I mean, I know that Stanley has a desk job for the most part. But I would think he'd probably take more recovery time at home rather than coming right back to work um, after getting discharged from the hospital. But if you're doing okay, I guess. Well, also, Stanley works a job that is heavily based on commission. Mm. And so maybe he can't afford to just stay at home. Michael insists that Stanley sit in a wheelchair and that they undertake meditation sessions in the office, which I'm someone that, I I wouldn't say that I, enjoy is too strong a word. I'm someone that does meditation because I've learned how it can be helpful. Now, I will admit, do I take all the lessons that I learned from meditation off the mat and apply it to my life every single day? No, I am not that zen yet. 
I am not that good <laughs> yet, you could say, but there's a lot of lessons to be had. Um, I will say on a good day, it will make me pause and reflect. And on a bad day, I can sort of feel bad about myself because I didn't pause and reflect, but I know that tomorrow's a new day to try. But I think that that sort of mindset is not necessarily what they're going with here. Michael is just having them sit. It's very much the caricature, pop culture depiction of meditation and low lighting and everyone's sitting cross-legged and he's just saying um over and over. And that's part of it, but it's more just focusing on your breath and just like being present. But then he does what I call like brain spa because I, it's like a visualization technique and where he's having them lie back and thinking, okay, you're in a meadow and it's very peaceful and this is who you come across and things like that. And when I played volleyball in college, we did a lot of visualization the day before games specifically, but also just like, what skill do you want to master? So I think there's definitely room for visualization and probably would assume that some people felt more calm. However, because it's the office, what happens is that everyone learns that Michael's the person stressing everyone out. Yes. Michael is walking around the room as this is going on and people are laying down. And so they are covering the entire floor of the conference room. And so Michael is just like stepping over people and he has a candle in his hand and he, as so he is saying these things and he starts walking towards Stanley and this beeping noise starts. It turns out Stanley is wearing a biofeedback machine that whenever his heart rate gets elevated or his stress levels start to go up, will start to beep and it tells Stanley that he needs to just kind of take a beat and calm down. And of course, Michael not really having the gift of self-reflection thinks that the, the machine is broken. And so Oscar takes it from Stanley and puts it on. And as Michael starts to walk towards Oscar, it starts to beep again. And so now it is obvious that Michael is the stressor here. I'll be honest. If I was wearing a biofeedback machine and I was around a uh, superior, around one of my bosses, around someone that, you know, was essentially grading my performance, which Michael doesn't always qualify as all those things there. I would probably, that machine would probably be going off because I would probably, my, my heart rate might be going up a little bit, you know, but I might feel a little bit stressed and feel a little bit anxious. And so that would probably give me that feedback. In addition to Michael feeling guilty that he is the cause of Stanley's stress, he also feels guilty that neither he nor anyone in the office was able to help Stanley in that moment. And so he organizes a CPR class, but he does it very begrudgingly because as usual, Michael thinks that he is qualified to do things or that he is an expert on things simply because he saw it on TV, he watched it in a movie, he looked up the Wikipedia article, things like that. So he 
has every intention of hosting this CPR training himself, except you can't get a CPR dummy without the certified trainer coming along with it. And so he has to book a regular CPR training class, which honestly is a very good idea. Workplaces should probably have more of those just in case of an emergency Definitely. such as this. Do you know CPR? Do you feel like you could do CPR if you had to tomorrow? I have actually taken three total uh, CPR training classes once when I was working for our intramural department in college. We had to be CPR first aid certified because just in case a, a participant, you know, went down with something. Quick side note there, the two times that I had something actually serious happen in on my fields, I got very lucky that some other participant was more qualified <laughs> to take care of this thing uh, than I was. One time, they were both during football games, flag football games, and one time a guy went up for a catch and he came down on his back and just whiplash back of his head oh, slammed God. against the ground and we played on a turf field that was like probably it was a carpet essentially it was like thin uh layer of turf below that was cement oh, and so God. this guy you know does this luckily he was on a team full of med students and like two of them came immediately and were like taking vitals and everything and i was like <laughs> All right, you guys. I think you guys got it from here. Yeah. And then another time, uh, a guy like dove for the end zone, and another guy came and like was running to pull his flag, and first guy like slammed his head against somebody's knee, and was out. And oh there was a God. there was an EMT on one of the teams that was like doing the concussion tests and everything like that. Like again, just. You do you. I, I'll just stay back here if you need me. <laughs> for anything. Um, and I also used to work a job in a medical field. So I took CPR classes there. Uh, have you ever been? Do you think you could do CPR? And actually, CPR has changed very much since then to the point to where anybody could do CPR. Is it just the chest compressions yes, now? Yes, that's okay, all. They, okay. I, as, They're not... I, haven't, I haven't taken a... I haven't taken a class in a while, so I don't know if they still teach the airway. The first time, in fact, I know they don't. Because That's what I thought. The first time I took the class was checking airways two in two and twenty, I think two and thirty. Two, you do two breaths, thirty compressions. Oh, two breaths, yes. thirty compressions. Okay. I think. And then check breathing, and then it's just a cycle from there. And then I think. The last time I took a, te- a class, it is compressions only now. That's what I thought. So I have taken, I took a babysitting class, uh, including CPR. I mean, this is obviously back in the day when I would babysit in the neighborhood. And then I got into coaching and that was supposed to require first aid and CPR. And I'm going to be honest with you, none of the coaching jobs that I had, they're like, okay, you need to do this. And then... It never came to fruition. Yeah. 
and no one was like you can't coach you didn't do that um and I know I've had another one in there somewhere and then I really enjoy the stuff you should know podcast and they actually did an entire podcast on CPR but I don't feel confident I've never had to do CPR I've never had to jump in um I would be concerned I wasn't doing the compressions in the right area of the chest to help facilitate any sort of breathing but I am I hope that for people that have I don't know who regularly administers CPR, but are, who are trained, maybe people will feel more confident not having to do, to blow into someone's airway in the sense of just keeping track and the timing right. and whatever. Um, but as the CPR instructor Rose demonstrates to the office, there's a timing that you have to keep to this. Now, this poor woman has come in to do a seminar to what she thinks is going to probably be pretty simple. It's just to a workplace. The The risks are low in the sense that it's it's an office. They're mostly sitting at their desk. They're not, it's not a warehouse. I mean, there is the warehouse downstairs, but it's not an Amazon warehouse where you're demanding people run lengths of football fields in like a minute or something like that. So there shouldn't be a lot of strenuous activity is what I'm saying. However, Michael and Dwight are members of this office place. Dwight is pretty surly, again, that he is got chided by corporate, but also he feels like he knows this stuff and doesn't need to be instructed at all. Anytime Rose tries to just teach the seminar Michael jumps in on something for example she says one of the first things she says is ABC airways breathing constriction no circulation circulation I believe it I believe it actually stands for I mean it I think compressions is also it's it's one like essentially it's both you're that's why you're doing compressions is to circulate blood so it's you know Sure. Same thing. Keep, and that makes you got to keep blood flowing to the brain. Yes. Well, Michael has to jump in and said, well, that's pretty confusing because ABC for sales means always be closing. So she just really can't get a word in edgewise, and she's not getting a ton of volunteers. Michael wants Stanley to go up there, even that's. It's really not, as people say, he just needs to rest. Just let him be. And Michael keeps pointing out to Stanley, like, we're doing this for you. This is you, Stanley. What if what if something happens to your heart and no one's around? Like, you could die. You, But no one's going to be able to give CPR to themselves. Right, yes, yes. So Stanley, uh, you know, f- trying to get Michael off his back, does go up to the CPR dummy, gives it a couple goes, and... Michael is still, like, chiding him. That's not even the right word. But just being a jerk from the sidelines saying, come on, Stanley, you're losing you. You're losing you. And he takes over. So Rose starts the simulation again saying, okay, let's assess the situation. Are they breathing? Again, Michael can't just go with it. And his response is, well, no. And they don't have any arms or legs. And Rose is like, that's not part of it. This is... And in her mind, she's like, this is just a CPR dummy. We don't bring a full-size human being 
around to practice on. So that really distracts Michael for a little bit. You know, what do we do if we come across someone with no arms and legs? Like, what kind of quality of life is that? And so when Michael finally takes over and starts doing compressions, he is just like like a rabbit, essentially. He's just going very, very quickly. Yeah, definitely not on any sort of time. No, and Rose is like, okay, we actually are going to do this. That's a little too fast. We need to do this to the beat of staying alive. And Michael at first thinks that she is talking about, I will survive, <laughs> which is a significantly slower song to start. Yes. And Rose stops him, corrects him, which eventually leads to the basically the entire conference room singing and dancing along to staying alive. Michael stops doing compressions in order to dance. And it is just a ridiculous scene all around. Because Andy takes it on acapella. Yeah. So Rose again has to corral everyone and say, okay, all right, you lost the person. No one called 911. You stopped doing CPR. You lost him. Dwight decides that this is the point that he will enter the simulation, jumps up and says, okay, what do we do now? And Rose, poor Rose at this point is like, I have no idea. And Dwight says, we check for an organ donor card. If he's an organ donor, we only have minutes to harvest. Crete says, yes, he's an organ donor. I checked his wallet. So Dwight's like, okay, pulls a knife out from a holster around his ankle, cuts open the chest of the CPR dummy to everyone's horror, like, oh my God. Then the camera pans away as everyone's freaking out and Rose is like, to, oh. to Stanley, who is starting to not feel very well. So everybody gets very concerned about Stanley. <laughs> and then Dwight has turns around and he has cut the face off the CPR dummy and put it on his own, a la Silence of the Lambs, which I didn't understand that reference because I had not seen Silence of the Lambs before then. And it's just, again, pretty much chaos. Dwight's actions leads to another meeting with David in corporate. And somehow he is still not fired, but he does have to give a formal apology, which must be signed by everyone as a way of recognizing that he did in fact do that. Dwight's formal apology is is that he states his regrets. <laughs> and that's it. He just says that he states his regrets. And so pretty much everybody is not too thrilled about signing off on that. And so Dwight spends the rest of the episode trying to trick everybody into signing his paper. And that is literally the only disciplinary measure that Dwight receives for the two incidents, the fire training and cutting the CPR dummy, which resulted in the company having to buy a new dummy for $3,400. Michael's next thought is that the workplace has become is, is so stressful because people aren't free to speak their minds and to tell other co-workers how they feel about them and michael's idea to encourage a 
free-flowing discussion is to host a roast of himself. He is going to invite everybody in the office to come up with their best insults and jokes about Michael and to read them out in front of everybody as Michael sits there on the dais as the guest of honor. Is this when the Comedy Central roasts were big? I mean, I know there's been some recently, but... Yes. Okay. Because that's what Michael's envisioning. Yes. And as Curtis alluded to before, not alluded to as he clearly stated before, Michael does not have a clear sense of self because he's giving people ideas about what they could roast him about. And he says, it could be about my race. It could be that I'm so fit or I'm a womanizer. And so he he thinks these things about himself. And so he's assuming that's what everyone else is going to go with. Now, this is one of the instances in which the timing is a little weird because everyone's wearing the same outfits, but it seems to be after hours and they've set it up in the warehouse and there's catering and drinks and people's partners are there. Yes, it all comes together pretty quickly. And so Michael opens up the floor and Angela hops up almost immediately and takes the mic first. Several other people follow Angela. Pam gets some shots in, Oscar goes up, Jim and Meredith take their turns. And as the the show goes along, you can see Michael starting to get a little more wounded. He at first kind of takes things in stride-ish. He tries to punch back at people, but he's just not funny and not very good at it. Right. And so it all just falls flat. And it doesn't get the laugh from the audience that the person that he is firing back at got. And so we see him start to feel worse and worse as the roast goes along. At one point, he points out that, hey, when somebody is doing a roast, they usually say something nice about that person also which is which is true right um but no one no one is doing that and so when it is michael's turn to go he can't get out the things he wants to say because he has gotten so upset he is keeping himself from crying until it is too much and he just walks off stage and people did really go for it there was quite a bit about his intelligence Uh, rightfully so it's the easy target it it definitely was and michael himself encouraged people to really go for it and people did the kind of one standout joke i'll say is that uh pam when she was up there she said and once i saw his thing and it was so small and then someone called out well how small was it and she said if it was an ipod it'd be a shuffle and that's not very nice. Like, that's a real, you know, no pun intended, below the belt sort of joke. Right. But as we said, Michael was expecting these things to be jabs at the things that he thinks he's good at. Yeah. He was expecting it to be 
when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosted the Golden Globes and they made a joke about Leonardo DiCaprio only dating supermodels. And the one that really stands out to me is when the movie Gravity was up for awards and they said George Clooney would rather float away into space than be with a woman his own age. And so that, like, that's funny. It kind of just pokes fun at the, the dating thing, but it, it, it doesn't have a sense of meanness behind it. And everyone, nearly everyone that we saw on the mic had a sense of mean-spiritedness yeah. to it. Now, some of the roasts that I'm thinking of for Comedy Central, like, they were pretty harsh. Yeah, because it, it depends on... The, the Comedy Central roasts always have, like the same format they will get jeffrey raw like they'll get uh, like the same three comedians that are just mean comedians and that's their shtick they get like the hot up-and-coming name at the time like for example aziz ansari did was on james franco's and he said in his in his bit he was just like I don't know you guys. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't know James very well. Like I, we were in the, this is the end. This is the end. And I was in one of the, his joke is I, I've been up here longer than I was in that movie. And, and then they get people that are like associated with that person. So for example, the James Franco one, you had Seth Rogen, you had Jonah Hill. It, and that was probably the best one that they have done. I don't fully remember that one. What, who, whose roast was Ann Coulter at? Ann Coulter and Nikki Glaser were at the same. Yeah, I roast. can't remember. Was it Rob Lowe? It might have been. I just I don't remember know. that Ann Coulter got more hate from the other yeah. roasters than the person yeah. being roasted. Yeah, and she was, she was a real crazy, and she had, was in the news then. You know. At that point, uh, I remember the Bruce Willis one. That one was good. That one was pretty funny because, like Demi Moore, they seemingly have a good relationship now. But she was up there. Edward as well. Norton was the the highlight of that. He one. was really good on that one. So I think it like, and then I think they did a Justin Bieber one, and I think Justin Bieber reacted how Michael did in this episode. Yeah, like, I don't think it was that good. The Donald Trump one was very similar to that as well. I didn't know they did that. Yes, yes. Our former president once got roasted by Comedy Central. And it was like, as we know, he can't really take a joke that is is at him. And so like he just kind of sat there and just made the faces that he makes. And and it wasn't great. Um, I think it was the Martha Stewart one (laughs) that Snoop Dogg was on the first time. And he was hilarious. Huh. We'll have to do some YouTubing. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if you can find them, like, on Comedy Central's app or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Michael doesn't take it very well. So the next day, he is not at work, and people are kind of worried about him and his mental state because they all recognize that, yeah, everybody went at him pretty hard. And we do get some check-ins with Michael. He is just dressed ridiculously. He is doing (laughs) ridiculous Michael things. He is doing things that he saw in movies when somebody is sad. And so he 
is wearing a black turtleneck in dark wash jeans. <laughs> they look like Wrangler jeans. <laughs> and wearing a long trench coat. And he goes to not the park goes or a, a lake. Yeah, he goes to a playground and just starts tossing slices of bread in way to feed the birds. And then he starts cawing, trying to call birds to to eat this bread. Right, but he's not near a pond, like you said. Right. Anything. And so he's just very upset. He says to give himself some perspective, he likes to imagine that there is a spaceman on a very faraway star that is so far away he can't see anything. But he sees Michael because he has a very powerful microscope microscope being the wrong term here of course but michael's an idiot and he is only watching michael and he can see how sad michael is and then so michael's like i'm okay i'm okay and so michael as a way of getting some closure i guess goes back to the office and Everybody is very concerned and just asking if he's okay. And some people do apologize. Oscar is one of those people. And Michael says, I just have a few things to say. And he starts firing back at everybody in the office. And we get the very famous phrase, boom roasted. I'll just give some of the highlights here. The very first one he says is to Jim. And he says, Jim, you're 6'11 and you weigh 90 pounds. Gumby has a better body than you do. Boom, roasted. And it's sort of jarring because he doesn't say anything else before this. He's just reading off his cards, which I assume was what he was going to read at the actual roast. Yeah. The other, the other one that... Another one that's pretty funny is to Stanley. He says to Stanley, Stanley, you crush your wife during sex and your heart sucks. Boom. Roasted. Kevin, I can't decide between a fat joke and a dumb joke. Boom. Roasted. And last one, Andy Cornell called, they think you suck and you're gayer than Oscar. Not appropriate. Boom. Roasted. Yeah, especially because the previous one was Oscar, was to Oscar and it was, you're You're gay. gay. And that's what, and that's just a very 2009 sort of insult where it's like, yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> and Pam's wasn't funny. It was just you failed art school. That was that's kind of a mean spirited one. Whereas Jim's and Stanley's were not as much, I would say. So that and and then Stanley just starts cracking up laughing. Yeah, that kind of breaks the ice and lets everybody some somehow lets everybody know that. Like, this is okay. Like, this is funny. This is, it's okay to laugh at this or whatever. And then that gets Michael kind of in a groove and he ends it off like he's an actual comedian doing a stage show of like, thank you all, drive safe. And that really, that really ends the episode in that storyline. There's only one other storyline in this episode and it's, it's ridiculous. Like, it is pointless very much so this is the part of the episode that i didn't care for and i think and i don't i don't know why they did this i think it's because the super bowl right and and it this is this part only makes sense because of that but you have 
Andy, Jim, and Pam watching a movie featuring Jack Black, Jessica Alba, and Cloris Leachman. And so I think it was probably advertised as guest starring these people. And so this was the only way that they could fit them into the episode, or this was the way that they decided to fit them into the episode. And so you have to have this, there be a reason for this. And so while Jim, Pam, Andy are watching this movie, Jim and Pam are talking about the marital troubles that Pam's parents are having. And that's it. That's 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 all that comes from that storyline, really. Yeah, the only thing that is like a takeaway, I guess, is that Pam sort of needles Jim to talk to her dad because her dad is actually staying with them. So we have to assume that they've moved into uh, Jim's parents' old house by this point. And so Pam's dad has come to stay with them for a little bit to get some space from Pam's mom. Pam needles Jim to talk to him, saying, you know, you can't really talk to me about this, but you're good to talk to. Why Pam thinks that her dad should be able to talk to Jim about these things, that's an even weirder proposition, but... Jim does it for the sake of Pam, and then Pam. Well, it's it's initially comes from a a place of not spite, but like frustration from Pam because at one point when they're watching the movie, Jim's like, "Well, he was pretty talkative at breakfast this morning," and so Pam takes that as like Jim and her dad have this relationship that for some reason Pam's dad does not have with her and she he is not talking with her about these things and so that's how i took it when she was just like well he can't have a relationship Mm. with me so he seems to be talking to you just fine so you talk to him about it after the conversation between jim and pam's dad pam's dad calls up pam's mom to say that he's gonna look for his own place kind of seemingly the nail in the coffin that they're actually going to split up so Pam's pretty upset and she's thinking Jim has caused the breakup of her parents by the end of the episode Pam's dad has come to see her at work (laughs) for some reason and to sort of fill her in on what's happening when she comes back inside Jim comes to meet her by the elevators and and asks like was it me was did I say something that made him leave and Pam says yeah he said that you told him how much you loved me and how you felt when I walked into a room and how you never doubted for a second that you just want to spend the rest of your life with me and I guess Pam's dad just never had those feelings or that strength of feeling about Pam's mom even at their best of times which is sort of a a bit of a crazy thing to think a little bit and so that was the eye-opening thing that Pam's dad needed to hear to step away from the relationship so Pam just says to the camera that when you're a kid you just assume your parents are soulmates because you really wouldn't have any reason to think otherwise and her kids will be right about that but that relationships are just different for the people inside of them. And I think that is wholeheartedly true. Yeah. So that's really the only takeaway. The plot of the movie they're watching is 
really weird and lame, I think. So that's really it for this episode. Yeah, so let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. So like I said, this was the episode that aired after the Super Bowl was on NBC in 2009. And it's funny how the Super Bowl bounces around to different channels depending on who's paying for it. And at the time, it was the most watched post-Super Bowl show in television history. The cold open took a day and a half to shoot just because there was so much going on with it and so much stunt work that needed to be done with it. And normally the cold open scenes would only take about 45 minutes to shoot. This episode was written by Paul Lieberstein and it won an Emmy for Outstanding Direction in a Comedy Series. Curtis, who gets fired in this episode? We lose Dwight, of course, for starting a fire in the office for destroying a CPR dummy, for conning his fellow employees into signing his apology sheet for a number of things. It is his sixth firing this season. It's his 17th overall. And we also lose Michael for the reasons that David Wallace said is that he is just as complicit in this as Dwight is. It is Michael's fifth firing of this season. It's his 42nd overall. What is your Dundee for this episode? The Dundee Award for the best way to tell someone no goes to Dwight for the way that he declined to participate in the CPR training. And this only stands out to me because my friend from college said it all the time after this. Uh, When Rose, the CPR instructor, asks if Dwight would like to take a turn, he says, absolutely, I would not. And that just became the thing to say when you ask someone, like, hey, can you do this for me? And they just would respond, absolutely, I would not back. What is your Dundee? The didn't see that coming award goes to Rose, the CPR (laughs) instructor, because as you said, she probably thought this is going to be your typical walk in the park, corporate CPR training, and it was absolutely not that thing. Who is your employee of the month? My employee of the month, I think, is a tie between Angela and Meredith, purely because of the relative strength and maybe surprisingness of their roast. Uh, Angela actually did a pretty decent job and was getting the crowd involved. And that's not something you would ever expect to see from Angela. And then Barris was just sort of raw and honest. And she just said, you are the reason I drink. You are the least, the reason I live to forget. And those are pretty harsh words, especially coming from a couple episodes ago where Michael literally dragged her into a rehab facility. Who is your employee of the month? I'm going with Pam for the same reason. I thought she had the best joke in (laughs) one person an hour is taken in by an internet scam. That person is Michael Scott. That was pretty good. So that will do it for this week's episode. 
Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to keep listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to get our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Boom, roasted.